Today is number seven of a series that I'm doing on the return of Jesus and the beginning of eternity. We talked about months ago in January, we talked about what's going on in heaven right now. What has Jesus been doing for a couple thousand years? And right now we're talking about what has to happen. What does the Bible say about the events on earth, prophecies of what's to come before Jesus actually returns? And we've talked about the harvest. We've talked about the great falling away, the rebellion against God of lawlessness. And today is the one that a lot of you are wishing I would never speak on, and some of you are way too excited about it. We're, we're getting to, we got to the Antichrist today, so I apologize if that's your thing that you're scared about, but we're just going to talk about this man that is coming that the Bible actually has a lot to say about uh, and what the Bible says he will do to try to thwart Jesus' kingdom, but he won't win. Yeah. So, first of all, let's look at all the scriptures, the pertinent scriptures. We're going to start in 1 John. Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. So John is addressing here these people who call themselves Christians and had been a part of the church but had begun to teach heresies. In John's day, maybe some of you have heard about the Gnostics. They taught that Jesus wasn't really a man, that he was just a spirit or a ghost. Others taught that Jesus was just a man, that he wasn't God. There was a teaching that there were actually two gods. And these are people who claim to be Christians. They taught that there was two gods. There was the God of the, there was Yahweh God of the Old Testament, and then there was Jesus' father, the good God. And Yahweh in the Old Testament was the bad God, and those two were opposed to each other. Um, there was all sorts of crazy stuff going on in the name of Christianity. And these people claim to be believers in Jesus, but they're teaching these really crazy stuff. And John says, these people have left us as a church, as the body of Christ. Their faith is not really in who the real Jesus is. And he calls them antichrist, which just means against Jesus. He says here in this verse, there's one person coming who's the capital A Antichrist, the un-Jesus, the opposite of everything Jesus is. There is a man coming who is the opposite of everything Jesus is. But the spirit of Antichrist, John says, has been in the world since the beginning to try to thwart God's plans. So it's nothing new. But there is an ultimate person coming who will try to present himself as the savior of the world in a very un-Jesus-like way. We'll get to that in a minute. Next is from 
Second Thessalonians. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered to meet Him. That day will not come unless there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. Don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? And you know what is holding him back for he can be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly and will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, and the Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. Amen. But Paul says the same thing here as John. It's already in the world. There's already forces arrayed against righteousness, and there's people who resist Jesus, resist the truth, resist godliness and righteousness. Paul says, though, there's this man of lawlessness. There is an ultimate man coming that will set himself up to be worshipped by the entire world. He is an exact opposite counterfeit of Jesus, who is to be worshipped by the entire world. But this guy sets himself up in that place, in the very temple of God as God himself. Later on in the passage, this man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit powers and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. So that's what Paul has to say about this guy. Same guy that John wrote about. This is what Paul has to say about him. And then he is mentioned... He's mentioned in Revelation. In Revelation 13, there are two beasts. They're, they're men, but they're called beasts because they're so evil. This is the same guy. This is what John sees in Revelation. The dragon, that's Satan, gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. He had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like him? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. He was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given to him over every tribe and tongue and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Do you see how this guy's the exact opposite of Jesus? He even takes authority over every nation, tongue, and tribe. Does that sound familiar? When this guy sets himself up as the Savior of the world, as God Almighty, and expects to be worshipped. Later on in the passage, I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. 
He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, and the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, poor and rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that but one, no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. We're not here to discuss what that might be this morning. Okay? So those of you who get turned on by that kind of stuff, that is not what we're here to do. I told you from the beginning we're here to talk about Jesus and what he is doing and what is going to signal his coming. So we have to talk about this stuff, but I'm, I, some, it's way too sensationalized. And people get sold a lot of stuff in fear. So we are going to talk about this, but we're not going to analyze what it might be, who it might be, all that kind of stuff, okay? We're not here to do that. But that's what Revelation says. And then Daniel also was told about this man 2,500 years ago. From Daniel 7, it says this man is exceedingly dreadful. He's making war against the saints, and he prevails against them until the Ancient of Days comes. His kingdom shall be different from all other kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it in pieces. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High and shall persecute the saints of the Most High and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints will be given into his hand for three and a half years. And then from Daniel 8, he says this about the same guy. In the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their fullness, a king shall arise having fierce features who understands sinister schemes. His power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. He shall destroy fearfully and shall prosper and thrive. He shall destroy the mighty and also the holy people. Through his cunning, he shall cause deceit to prosper under his rule, and he shall exalt himself in his heart. He shall destroy many in their prosperity. He shall even rise against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without human means. This vision is true, but seal up the vision, for it refers to many days in the future. That's from Daniel 8. So those are the scriptures that speak about this guy that we usually call the Antichrist. A a true way to interpret that or to translate that is he's the un-Jesus. So even the word Antichrist has sort of taken on a life of its own. You see this guy with red glowing eyes, the horns coming out of his head, and he's this evil person that people are scared of because of how it's been presented in the Christian movies of the past and books and such. But there's no question he's an evil guy. But let's look at this and how, how is this really going to look in reality, in timeline of earth? How's this going to look? What I want you to notice the first thing is that he is, he is the perfect opposite of Jesus. He is exactly opposite in every way. Second Thessalonians calls him the son of hell. Jesus is the son of heaven. Revelation says, Revelation 13 says, the dragon, which later on in Revelation says that is the serpent of old, Satan, the devil. Revelation 13 says the dragon gives this man his power. God gave Jesus his power. In fact, the word Christ means the anointed one, the one who was given the power of God. This Antichrist 
in Revelation 13, it tells us he will die and be resurrected. Wow. That's a really good fake. Hello? Do you see? He is exactly the opposite of Jesus in every way. Revelation 13 says that there is a second person called the beast who resurrects the Antichrist and makes everybody worship him. That's exactly what the Bible says the Holy Spirit does. That Jesus was resurrected by the Holy Spirit's power and the Holy Spirit's job is to bring everyone to Jesus. The Bible says in numerous ways, but especially in Revelation, two or three times it says that we, the people of God, are sealed on our forehead and our right hand with the seal of God, the blood of Jesus. And this false Holy Spirit that we call the beast in Revelation seals people with his ownership of his 666, whatever that is. It's a counterfeit of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have the dragon, the Antichrist, and the beast. They're an unholy trinity that set themselves up. This guy puts a statue or an image of some sort of himself in the very temple of God to be worshipped by the whole earth. That's Jesus. That's a counterfeit of who Jesus really is. You hear what I'm saying? He does the exact opposite in the same way he does exactly what Jesus does. And this Antichrist has a woman. If you read in Revelation, she's the harlot. On her forehead is written Babylon, the world. The people who aren't the bride of Christ. There's an opposite for everything. Jesus has a bride. The Antichrist has a woman that sells herself to him for whatever he can offer them. Which Revelation says is money. Which is what harlots do. But specifically it says that no one will be able to buy or sell or have a job unless you worship this person. So people can get really far into analyzing and calculating and trying to figure out, okay, they're going to microchip the back of our hand and that's 666. And who is this? Is it President Obama? Is it the Pope? Is it Putin? You know, all through history, you know, when Hitler was around, it was Hitler. There's no question that these guys are practice runs. They are antichrist. Hitler was Mao, Kim Jong-il, President Obama is an antichrist. For sure. Everything he believes is against Jesus. I'm not talking politics. I'm talking about he's a gate of hell. But Paul and John say that's always been around. Duh. There have always been evil government leaders and politicians and who were gates of hell into the nations and people that they led. So people who go around trying to gonna say, oh, there was a pastor even here in town in 2008, put a sign on the front of their church, will, will America elect the Antichrist? 
obviously, this is a real man and a real person, and at some point in time, he will, John and Paul both say, he will make himself known, and it will happen. And who knows who that might be? But we can get way too wound up in trying to figure that out and miss the big picture. The big picture is this guy is trying to steal Jesus' name and his authority. He's trying to set himself up as the salvation of the world. He's a complete counterfeit. He's a fraud, a false savior. As we get nearer to the return of Jesus and the beginning of eternity, as the harvest of Jesus' wheat is going on, and salvation is happening in record numbers, and we talked about that weeks ago, the world who refuses him will come under such strong delusion that they will believe that this guy is their Savior instead of Jesus. Because we as humanity, we know intrinsically, whether we admit it or not, we know we need a Savior. We need somebody to follow. You know that six years ago, it's a lot of people calling Obama their Messiah, which is another antichrist blasphemy. But it was a common reference to him that the media picked up on, probably made it bigger than it really was, but it was a real reference. There were songs written to Barack Obama to praise him. I mean, it was, it's really wild. There was songs written to Hitler in Germany. There, the German people literally praised Adolf Hitler. They made him their dictator. He did not take power. The Germans gave it to him. And America has done it now. But we all, as humanity, we, we want to follow somebody. We know the world is a mess and we want a savior. Whether we admit it or not, we really do. And the world will install this guy as their savior and put their hope in him and worship him and look to him for provision and peace and stability and salvation and make him their supreme king. When this happens, this is the final rejection of Jesus. That's it. Time's up. It is the ultimate and final last choice that the world has. Do you want this guy, who's the un-Jesus, or do you want the real Jesus? You can see very clearly in Revelation, which you all were supposed to have read over the last month or so, you can see that when this guy sets up his kingdom and, he, and the world begins to literally worship him, that's what triggers the trumpets and the bowls of wrath and the return of Jesus in Revelation. That's it. It's the end. These people are literally making hell their home and Satan their father and this man their king. In the same way that the first rejection of Jesus brought the annihilation of Jerusalem 40 years later, this ultimate rejection of Jesus by the entire world will bring the end. So again, what does this look like in the real world? What is actually going to be going on? Well, this guy will somehow, I don't, I don't foresee a one-world government. It's people that you find online and on late-night Christian TV who are all worried about the new world order and one-world government. I think they're missing it. 
um, just knowing history and how things have risen and fallen in the past. I don't think this guy is going to become the world's dictator. He's just going to use a coalition of power of nations to take control of world events. Unlike um, some books you may have read or movies you may have seen, he's probably not American. We, have, we tend to have an American-centric view of everything. And even the books and the movies, are they happen in America. Actually, it's pretty much general consensus above everybody that studies this stuff is that America is nowhere in Revelation. It's not mentioned anywhere. That we're, by the time this stuff happens, we're out of the picture um, as a world power. Six or eight years ago, that would have been unimaginable. In the last few months, it's imaginable that we're losing our respect and our moral authority in the world. God's purposes will happen. I don't see it as being one central world government, but more of a coalition that's controlled from the back by these key figures. It seems to be clear, reading all of Revelation and Daniel, Matthew 24, Luke 17 and 21, these scriptures that apply to all this stuff, it seems to be centered around events in Israel and Europe and Russia and China seems to be the general consensus that ultimately, actually, the Antichrist will lead forces against Israel in a destruction of their nation, and that is what triggers the actual physical return of Jesus. Split the sky, return to Jerusalem. But what is going to go on? How is this guy going to get power? What is life on earth going to be like? What, is this, what does this mean? All right, so in this series right now, we're looking at what has to happen before Jesus returns, because... We're his bride, and we desperately want to be with him. Jesus commanded us to know the times and the seasons. He told us to pray. The book of Revelation has a blessing at the beginning and an end. Blessed are you who read these and receive these words. So it's not wrong to think about these things and study them and know what Jesus said, and he told us for a reason. It's important to know. So how does it look and what's going on? Well, what's going on is in the world with, for us is the harvest. The church will continue to reap the field of Jesus and more and more people till the very last moment, people will be getting saved. And as I said back in January, they're getting saved by the hundreds of thousands a day now. That life has not, is not always gone on the way it is going on now. From science and technology to our economy to life in the church, everything changed 150 years ago. And we are in that, born into that, so it's kind of hard to see unless you have a very long-term historical perspective. But our lives are so different from world history. And our church is so different. The bride really is getting ready. And the harvest is happening. We will just continue to do the work of the Lord. Reaping in souls, worshiping the Lord, the bride will continue getting spotless and white and ready for her wedding. Jesus says, as in the days of Noah, so it will be at the return of the Son of Man. Well, what was that? Jesus specifically said, 
People would be getting married. People would be being born. People would be dying. People would be working in the field. People sleeping in bed. People walking down the road. So whatever your picture of this tribulation at the end is that you got from some Hollywood movie or a series of books, which will remain unnamed, Whatever your picture of those last seven years is, normal life will be happening. The world will be in great upheaval, politically, militarily, economically, but life will be happening. Babies being born, people getting married, people going to work, people walking down the road. Hello? But good and bad, life will happen, as in the days of Noah. It was really, really, really evil, but life went on. Hello? Jude says it will be like the day Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. Well, what happened there? Lot and his wife and his daughters were at home. Living life. An angel knocks on their door and says, time to get out. They follow them. Fire falls from the sky, destroys their hometown. Jude says that's a picture of the return of Jesus. We will pull you out and then it will be destroyed. All in one day. There won't be time after the rapture. It's completely not anywhere in the Bible. It's in those books. It's in those movies. Sorry if you're a Nicolas Cage fan. It ain't going to happen. It all happens in one day. Matthew 24 and 25, Luke 17 and 21, Jesus promises that we will have to pay a cost for following him. That's already happening too. The 21 Egyptian guys that were beheaded while singing the praises of Jesus. If you saw the stuff I posted on Facebook, their relatives thanked the ISIS terrorists for not editing their praises out of the video. Because to the entire world, as their heads are getting cut off with a dull knife, they are singing the praises of Jesus. That is the glory of God. And the testimony of their mothers and their brothers and their sisters saying, we thank them because they brought us into the kingdom of heaven. The one you see, I put three videos on the church Facebook page that if you haven't seen them, you need to see them. Those interviews with the families of those men and one brother says, we thank them because Jesus said through much tribulation, you will enter the kingdom of heaven. These men have brought our family into the kingdom of heaven. Whoa. One brother says, the interviewer says, what, what does your mother say? She said, if we met them, meaning the ISIS terrorists, we would invite them into our house for a meal. We would feed them and we would tell them, you're ignorant, you believe a lie, make Jesus your Lord. But we would invite them in for a meal. That was the mother of the two, two of the brothers of those 21. So taking, again, all of the scriptures that you may or may not know, but all of them in context, and looking at the whole big picture, just like now, there will be places in the world in total upheaval like Iraq and Syria and Egypt. And there will be other places where Jesus says you will escape. He tells one of the churches in Revelations, I will keep you from the trial that is about to happen on the earth. 
In Matthew 24, he commands us to pray that we would escape it. He says, if you see it happening, run. But a lot of you will lose your heads. That's what he said. What does that mean? It means normal life. It means right now, March 2015. It's exactly what's going on in the world. Most of the world is not like Northeast Oregon. There are some Christians really paying a price right now. There are Christians in Central Asia and in Sudan and Venezuela who are dying for their faith. So, again, whatever your picture of the end is, it is life will go on. Some people will be in areas where it's really bad and other people will be going to work and walking down the road and just living a normal life. Jesus said they would hand us over and kill us. But then he also said to some, I will keep you from what is about to happen. He said, pray that you may escape and it's not in winter. Something that you saw there in Revelation is that anyone who doesn't accept the worship of this man will not be able to buy or sell, have a job. I don't know what the mark on the hand and the forehead mean, but... For whatever ideas you've heard on late night Christian TV or the depths of the internet, (laughs) the revelation says two or three times that Jesus has a mark on our forehead and our hand. It's the Holy Spirit. He is the seal of God. That isn't a physical thing. So, possibly, I don't want to tweak anybody's nose here. If you're a big fan of those TV end times preachers and authors. Possibly the mark of the beast is a spiritual thing and not some microchip or some tattoo or barcode. Possibly. Possibly. So, before you get too wound up about being afraid and become a prepper, because you're not going to be able to buy and sell stuff. It's true. It's true, but... I think we should be more concerned with having the mark of Jesus on our forehead and our hand than trying to figure out what barcode I don't want tattooed on my hand when the day comes. Just an, just an idea. So if things in the world are so bad, why will they follow this guy? I have something that to say that I firmly believe that I've never heard anybody else say it so that I know this is going to be new to you. It might shock quite a few of you. Uh, but I've really come to see it in the last few years. I really, I really think the Lord has revealed this to me as I've prayed about it and thought about it and read the scriptures. Why does the world follow this guy? If things are so terrible in the situation, even to the point in Revelation where God is, the stars are raining down fire out of the sky and the rock, they're praying for the rocks to fall on them, but they won't repent to God. Like, what is that? How does that happen? How does it get so bad that people are so anti-God? Well, that verse in 2 Thessalonians that we just read said that because these people have rejected the truth, who is the truth? Jesus. That God gives them a strong delusion to believe the lie. So this Antichrist as much as Jesus, as powerful as Jesus is the truth, this guy is that powerful of a lie. 
He is that deceiving to the point that in Matthew 24, I believe it is, Jesus says if those days were not shortened, even the elect would be deceived. So for those of you who want to blow this stuff off and like, oh, it's no big deal. We'll just follow Jesus. No, Jesus said, if I don't shorten that, you'll all be tricked. That's serious. That's serious. Power of lie. What in the world could possibly trick us, deceive us into following that guy instead of Jesus? Because he will look just like Jesus. Everything Satan does is a counterfeit. And this man will be his masterpiece. And like I said, and I'm in it, Napoleon and Kim Jong-il and Alexander the Great and Hitler and Mao Zedong, their practice runs for how evil this guy is going to be. But I don't suppose very many of you have read Mein Kampf. It's Hitler's book. In Hitler's book, he learned a lesson. He tried to start an armed rebellion in the very beginning of his career and take over Germany by force. And he got arrested and put in prison where he wrote his book. And he learned a lesson that you don't take over the world by force. You take over the world through politics. And that's what he did. Through In Germany, he used the German political system to put himself in power, and the German people picked him, adored him, worshipped him as their leader. And then he made the same mistake again in his stated goal of establishing the Third Reich all over the world. He went and used force, and it failed. So whoever this man is, Satan's masterpiece, he will come to power looking like a great guy. He will not force his way in. He will have solutions to the world's problems. As you may see, those of you who pay attention to world events and the news and what's going on around us, we're headed for a very major global economic collapse. I don't think there's any question in anybody's mind that pays attention to this stuff that the America is about to sneeze and when we do, the world will get pneumonia. Right. And the entire house of cards that we call the world system will collapse. Right. All of those dictators I just named to you are real, really bad, evil people. They took control after an economic collapse. Because people get so desperate for an answer. They get desperate for stability. They get desperate for a job and money and food that they gave Hitler and Lenin and Mao and men. They just give them all authority. We give up our freedom. We'll even worship you if that's what you command. Just feed us. It will happen again on a global scale. And this guy will have the answers. 
he will have an answer that will fix the world's economic problem that is about to happen. He will be a savior. He will be a godless, moralless, characterless person, but he will look to the world just like Jesus. He will be the Antichrist of love and peace. He will solve the Middle East problem, ultimately by trying to destroy Israel, but he will solve the Middle East problem that no one has ever been able to solve in world history. He will say, I have the answer. He will solve the world's economic problems. He will end racism and sexism and homophobia. And the entire world will embrace this guy as their savior and answer and solution. And in that, he will set him, the harlot will sell themselves, but the real bride will know this isn't our man. This guy is not Jesus. This is unrighteousness. This is sin. The true bride will know the true Jesus. and She will be hard-pressed and tempted and hurt and confused and persecuted, but she will not be deceived. She will not reject her groom. She will always remain faithful. Even though this guy gets resurrected from the dead, even though he has miraculous powers, even though he comes and solves all the world's problems and the world will legitimately think this is it. Like happened in a microcosmic scale in Korea and China and Germany and is going on in America now. It will happen on a global scale. This man is our savior. He is our answer. He is our solution. He has all the fixes. And that will go to his head and he will set himself up, not just as some world-controlling politician government leader, but he will demand to be worshipped. And the harlot of the world will say, all right, we will sell ourselves to you. But Jesus' bride, his girl, will not. He didn't say... When he said, unless those days are shortened, even the elect would be deceived. He didn't say any of the elect would be deceived. He said, if they weren't shortened, they would. So we do not need to live in fear of, oh no, what if I'm one that's strict? What if I accidentally, I've had this question come to me multiple times. What if I accidentally take the mark of the beast and I don't know it? You will know it. We will know it whoever we is at that time, we will know it. Fear of crazy stuff will make us do crazy stuff. But faith will keep us calm and trusting the Lord and at peace and know that our Savior is on the way. No matter how bad the political situation of the world gets, no matter how bad the economic system of the world gets, if the whole thing collapses and Iran gets nukes and Russia does something and, or America does something crazy, who knows what can happen? We can be at peace and know that our salvation draws near. Let the nations rage. Let the world 
wrangle about politics and issues, we will just keep loving Jesus and loving our neighbor. And as we do that, his harvest will be reaped and the day will draw nearer and nearer. Last scripture on the screen from John 10. Jesus speaking. When the shepherd brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Come on, that ought to make you smile. Jesus said, if you're mine, you know my voice. And when you hear a stranger claiming to be me, you will run. Because you know me. You don't need to be afraid of these things that are coming. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. And I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one, no one, no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Praise the Lord. So I know that some of you wished I'd just skip this topic altogether. Some of you are way too turned on by this kind of stuff. But I just want you to know that it is it, it, the Bible is full of these scriptures prophesying this stuff. Jesus told us about it. The apostles told us about it. It is important that we talk about it and that we know it. But Jesus made it very clear that as bad as it gets, we have no reason to ever be afraid. We have no reason to be particularly, I just want to speak to those of you who are afraid of events and troubles, but also of what if I'm one that's deceived or what if I accidentally reject Jesus? You're not. My sheep know my voice and a stranger, they will flee from him. So if there's an application to your life this morning in this stuff that yes, is mostly political and it's happening in the future, um, it may be in its birth stages now, but it's still to come. The application is know Jesus today so that you won't be tricked later. <laughs> if you know Jesus now, if you know his voice in your heart, if you experience the touch of his Holy Spirit, you will know the counterfeit when Satan tries to put it in front of you. You will know the counterfeit. You will smell the rat and say, no, that's not Jesus. That's not my king. And once you are touched by Jesus, once you know who he is, we don't have any right to be afraid. We don't have any reason to be afraid. And the devil can't touch us. I mean, for real, he can't, he can't touch us. There are people losing their head over it, but they're not getting touched. Praise the Lord. All right. So next week, we will talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Take a pause in this series. But that's actually, this is it for what happens between now and when Jesus returns. Next, we're going to talk about the actual return of Jesus. What does that day look like? And what happens when he returns? What does the Bible say about that? When we actually get to meet Jesus and be with him forever so that's starting in a couple weeks so everybody okay you're encouraged 
Not going to leave scared? Okay. Lord Jesus, we love you. We praise you. You are an awesome God. And you are on the throne and you reign in our hearts and we belong to you. You have purchased us with your blood and you have sealed our foreheads and our hands with your blood. And we belong to you. And the enemy may not trespass your holy, kingly, royal seal that you have put on us. I bless every person here this morning. Lord, thank you that we know the truth. For those that don't, Lord, I ask you to bring salvation right now, this morning. Come to Jesus. Know him. Make him your Lord and King. Jesus, we ask you to release your Holy Spirit to bring conviction and faith and freedom right now to anyone in the room that doesn't know you. Bring salvation right now. Thank you for your assurance. Thank you for peace. Thank you for faith. Thank you for trust that no matter how crazy the world gets, that we are not citizens of this world. We are citizens of your kingdom. We are only aliens and strangers here pulling people out of darkness into your marvelous light. Thank you. Thank you that you have made us citizens of your kingdom, that you have made us holy, made us light in the world. We love you. We praise you. We bless your name this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen.